This week on the New York Public Library podcast, Norwegian author Carl Ove Kunausgaard dissects the latest volume of his critically acclaimed autobiography, My Struggle, and the controversy that surrounds it with Jeffrey Eugenides, author of The Virgin Suicides. This podcast is made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. Learn more at nypl.org. Thank you all. It's such an exciting, historic night. I can feel history (laughs) washing over me. Um, I have a number of papers here and a smaller table than I thought. Um, Thank you. Nice to meet you, sir. I'm glad you're here. Um, Nice to meet you. I wanted to start tonight by, um, by way of apology for a couple of things. First of all, that we're not conducting this in Norwegian. Um, That's not my personal fault. That's the fault of the British Empire. But um, if I go to Norway, they speak English to me. I'm sorry we can't accord you with the same privilege. Um, But I have a larger apology, which is just a general apology of what I'm going to do to you tonight. Um, You know, there's there's the experience you had writing my my struggle, which is primary. Um, And then there's the experience that one has reading the book. Um, and if I had my way, I would, you know, the perfect event tonight would be to give everyone a copy of your books. You and I go to the bar across the street. They read for 50 minutes. We come back in, and they applaud, and then, and then we leave. I think that, <laughs> that, that would be commensurate to, um, it would convey the experience of, of the book. Um, but we can't do that, I'm afraid. I have to ask you questions, um, and thereby... <laughs> Reduce, reduce the book in many ways. I know what that feels like, so I'm sorry, I'm sorry at what I'm about to do to you. Um, <laughs> I, I, will, um, I will say that I'll try to mitigate that by um, promising you one thing. I think all readers have one thing they're known for in a certain way. I was talking to Martin Amos um, a number of years ago, and you know, his thing for a while was his teeth, the fact that he'd gotten his teeth replaced, um, became what everyone talked about with his books. They thought it was vanity. It was actually medically necessary, mm. but he, you know, he needed new teeth, and everyone thought he got a big advance you know, to fix his teeth, and, and that's, all they would talk, that's all they would talk about. So he said to me, well, that's my thing. What's, what's your thing? And I said, well, my thing is how long it takes to, for me to write a book. Anytime I write a book, 500-page book, no one has any interest in the book except how long it took me to write the book. So your thing is that you wrote about people you knew and you didn't change their names. And um, I promise you I will not bring that up tonight. As long as <laughs> you will not bring up my thing, I will not bring up your thing. <laughs> That's good. Okay. good. I'd like to have just a talk between two writers as much as we can. Um, I'd, li- I'd like to start with the aesthetics of the book and the project of the entire series and spend some time just trying to figure out um, how the books came to be written and, and why you wrote them as you did. And I, I'll start by reading something that, um, that I wrote. I was asked to sum up your work for um, an article that, that Evan Hughes wrote. And I, I wrote a paragraph about it. And of course, he used one sentence, which is what, what happened. So I 
always felt bad that I didn't get my whole paragraph. So I'm going to read it tonight to satisfy myself. And I'm, it may, I just want to know if you think this is at all valid. Um, because you wrote, you wrote the books and you, you know. And uh, no one else would be able to tell me. But um, My struggle is essentially a literary form of conceptual art. The concept being, write every day for as long as you can stand it, as close to the truth as you can stand it. Don't worry about making anything up. Let your forward momentum keep you alert to the patterns your writing develops. Even if you hate what you're writing, keep going. Tell your life story. Spare no one, especially yourself. From these basic instructions, as I understand it, Karlova Knasgard began what be- became his six-volume epic. Only one writer in a million following such directives would have created a novel as fluid compelling, lacerating, funny, profound, and moving as my struggle turned out to be. Knausgaard pushed himself to do something that hadn't quite been done before. He broke the sound barrier of the autobiographical novel. We've seen novels like this before, but never prosecuted with such relentlessness, stamina, or brilliance. In the end, even the defects are part of the overall perfection. That was part of the concept, too. So, your response... He might say... You might say it's hogwash, so don't applaud prematurely. No, but, you know, I set out to do this with some restriction and with some rules. Uh, That's true. And I didn't know where it's going to take me. Mm -hmm. That's also true. But what it's making or what's happening with the readers, you know, I'm very distant from that. Because one of the major things with this book was... That there should be no. I didn't direct it to anyone. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be kind of completely free, you know. And I think it's the only way for me to do it was like, don't think of the reader, mm-hmm. you know. Don't think of the critic. Yeah. And I think if there's a lot of shameful things in there, you know, in the book, and people ask me, how can you bear writing about shameful things? But the fact is. When you are writing, there are nobody else there, you know? So there are no shame, you are completely free. Uh, so that's why it's very, very difficult for me to take in the reactions, mm-hmm. what this means for others, because yeah. it's so much being on the inside of something, you know? And you never think when you're writing, I'm going to you know, do something, I'm going to make this, uh, what can I say, Like, theoretically, you know, Mm -hmm. you just do what works and try what works and and follow something, your intuition or or whatever. And I think the moment you start to think, I'm going to change the novel, Mm -hmm. I mean, you are dead. You can't change the novel if you you have that notion. Did did you think you were going to publish this book when you started it? Um, Yes, I am a writer. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what I do for a living. So so it was for me. (laughs) You had to, yeah. Yes, yes. But I wasn't sure if mm-hmm. the publisher w- would publish right. it, you know? Um, My first book, I didn't know that I was going to publish it because I wasn't a writer, really. So I, I used names of people I knew, and I just didn't worry about anything until finally it was actually going to be a book, and then I had to think about it. But I don't have that luxury now of thinking it won't, it won't be published. I don't know if it's a luxury, but... Um, <laughs> but the mood that the book came out of... Um, I want you to read a passage, if you, if you would, um, which gives a sense of what you were thinking as you started 
um, started the books. It's um, 5.45. It's right here. Yes. Down to um, that. Okay. Over recent years, I had increasingly lost faith in literature. I read and thought this is something someone has made up. Perhaps it was because we were totally inundated with fiction and stories. It had got out of hand. Wherever you turned, you saw fiction. All these millions of paperbacks, hardbacks, DVDs, and TV series, they were all about made-up people in a made-up, though realistic, world. And news in the press, TV news and radio news, had exactly the same format. Documentaries had the same format. They were also stories, and it made no difference whether what they told had actually happened or not. It was a crisis. I felt it in every fiber of my body. Something saturating was spreading through my consciousness like land. Not the least because the nucleus of all this fiction, whether true or not, was verisimilitude, and the distance it held to reality was constant. In other words, it saw the same. This sameness, which was our world, was being mass-produced, The uniqueness, which they all talked about, was thereby invalidated. It didn't exist. It was a lie. Thank you. That's the, the part that... <clears throat> the, the sentence that sticks out to me is, is you know, the, the idea that it saw the same, that you were meeting everywhere you looked with verisimilitude that was being executed in such a similar manner that it was no longer perhaps truthful, though, though realistic. Yeah. It reminds me of some things in, in French theory, like Roland Barthes talking about the you know, things being in a book just to signify the real, uh, the barometer on the wall in Madame Bovary, I think, is the example. Um, is, is that what you were feeling? Like every time you, you read things, you could see that the, the writer was, was faking and, and, and just the, the basic first principle that you need in a book to convince the reader that it's true and that it's happening. Yeah. That's really was what was bothering you day to day as you read and as you tried to write? And I think what's bothered me was that I saw the same form everywhere mm -hmm. and that, that kind of that form transformed everything into something yeah. similar. And I, you know, my life, I felt my life and always felt my life so extremely complicated, you know. Like, if you just go into a moment, and it's, you know, massive, complicated, yeah. everything. Yeah. And that's, if you start to write, you know, char characters and plot, and, mm -hmm. and then these things just disappear. Yeah. And it's not a thing about quality, or, I mean, there's a lot of good, good, very good fiction out mm -hmm. there. But I kind of had a kind of nausea, is that a word? I, I mean, I wanted to... Kind of what? I was, you know, if, nausea. Oh, nausea, yeah. 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 <laughs> Um, and it's very personal. This mm -hmm. is not, you know, a critic of, of in general. It's it not. I wondered. That no, that. I never thought of that. Mm -hmm. I do never write anything general. I think mm -hmm. it's all based on what I mm -hmm. think, how I mm -hmm. react, and um, it's um, that's why I wanted to write this story. 
that was the thing. Mm-hmm. I want to write about this man, which was my father. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tried using, you know, all the tools of fiction, and it didn't come alive to me. It was, you know, it was wasn't him. You had tried in other in other novels or other. I've tried. Before, yeah. I mean, he died in 1998, yeah. right. which was the same time my first novel came out. Mm-hmm. So, so I basically had the manuscript with me when he died because I thought I should, you know, work a little bit in between. And yeah. but I was kind of devastated. I couldn't, of course, not work. Right. And the fact was, the fact that he was dead made my novel meaningless for me mm-hmm. because I had written it to him. Mm-hmm. And after that, I tried to write about him. Um, I think the first was for four years, and then it didn't work. And I had a kind of a small, you know, way out to something else—a little short mm-hmm. story that I wrote a novel, yeah. something completely different about angels. And then the same thing again. Wanted to write about that story, yeah. failed. Mm-hmm. And then this thing came up, yeah. and this was just different. And I, mm-hmm. I didn't think, you know, it represented something, or ever just yeah. this works. You know, yeah. this works. Right. I'll, I'll go there. That. That makes a lot of sense to me. I, I love the idea that it, this, the stories persist in one's head and, and you, they don't go away even though you can't write them. And then you keep trying in different yeah. ways. You finally sit down and at the end of book two, um, you, you, you say you know, how, how the book started to come. Um, there's a description here um, just of your face looking in the window and you see your reflection. And then you say, the next day I continued. The idea was to get as close as possible to my life. So I wrote about Linda and John sleeping in the adjacent room, Vanya and Heidi, and you can go on, on like that. Um, then the next day I began to write about the spring Dad moved out from Mom and me. And even though I hated every sentence, I decided to persist. I had come to terms with it to tell the story I had tried f- for so long to tell. That's five, page 565 in book two. And book one... Um, on page 195, um, you, you say something similar, which um, I'm going to read and I want you to comment on because I think it says m- even more about what the project of the book is. Um, For several years, I tried to write about my father, but had gotten nowhere, probably because the subject was too close to my life and thus not so easy to force into another form, which of course is a pre- prerequisite for literature. That is its sole law. Everything has to submit to form. If any of literature's other elements are stronger than form, such as style, plot, theme, if any of these overtake form, the result suffers. That is why writers with a strong style often write bad books. That is also why writers with strong themes so often write bad books. Strong themes and styles have to be broken down before literature can come into being. It is this breaking down that is called writing. Um, how aware or cognizant were you as you began my struggle of, of really breaking down literature, breaking down the conventions of the novel? And you said that you, you didn't tell yourself you were doing that, and yet, I don't know, implicit in a, in a paragraph like that, I feel the urge to do that, or I feel that you had the urge to do it. So This is basically just an experience. Mm-hmm. Um, of what it is to write. Um, and I think... Um, 
I think it's, it's, you know, it's... I can... <laughs> no, I can answer, but... What's just, interesting you know. is we were, well, we were discussing something like this before coming out. I, I, I will give you an, another... The, um, the problem is it's very difficult to, you know, yeah. discuss this, this very abstract thing about form and style and things. It's easy to write it. It's, it's hard for me to discuss it. Uh, How, what do you think the form of my struggle is? If you've, if you've subdued style, if you've subdued theme in a sense, um, you know, some people might say that the book is not one that is overly concerned with form. So when you, when you use the term form in terms yeah. of this book, what, what exactly do you mean? It's like, for me, writing is becoming. I mean, it's, there's something that's, mm -hmm. that's a process, there's something that is, you know, moving. And it's not there before you write. It comes into being mm -hmm. when, when, you are, when you write it. And, you know, my first experience of being a writer, yeah. um, when, I, when I was in my 20s, I wanted to be a writer. And, you know, I had an idea of what it is to be a writer and what so good writing yeah. is. Yeah, everybody yeah. has that, yeah. you know. <laughs> But the, the experience of actually you know, thinking I, I could actually write a novel was the moment to write was the same experience as it is to read, you know? Yeah. You, just, you just disappear into something. You became kind of selfless and, and, and you could put yourself in there, you know? Mm -hmm. And it comes something different back, mm -hmm. which you have never seen before, never planned, you know. And that excitement, seeing something you couldn't plan that you didn't know you have, and it basically isn't yours, because it is literature. Mm. Like you're pouring yourself into it, something is coming. And that, I think, it's, it's the things that becomes, you know, that's form for me. Because the world is formless, and, and, and my life is formless, and... But if it's planned, mm -hmm. then it is structured, it's, it's kind of not becoming. It is. Yeah. And the thing that's like that is death. The things that becomes is life. This is an imitation of life, mm -hmm. but it is some kind of process, I think. And, and this, is, uh, this is how I can think of it now. Yeah. But when you're in it, it's just an experience of, you know, I want to write something, I have nothing to write about, I'm, you know, worthless or whatever. Yeah. And, and, but then something starts to happen, mm -hmm. you know? And it's, it's um, that's what I'm looking for when yeah. I'm writing. And the thing for me this time was, is that possible to do with your own life, you know? Mm -hmm. Because you know your own life. Is it possible yeah. to, I mean, to come into your life and discover things, I mean, all the time, which is necessary when you write about it. Mm -hmm. And that's the energy in the book. Uh, that's kind of try to open up yeah. all layers inside of you that's not conscious, you know? Yeah. And I think there is a similarity between writing and, you know, the things that you have but you don't recognize or, or don't think of, you know? And, and because that's, I think I can see that in all good writers. Mm -hmm that it's unexpected, you know, and this is a certain quality that doesn't belong to the writer, you know? Mm -hmm. If you meet him or her... Yeah, it's, it's always a mistake. Yes, it yeah. is, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's what you started this conversation <laughs> by saying, you yeah. know? It was exactly yeah. that, you reduce it, you know? And, and, and um, that's... The minute I understand that, mm -hmm. I had kind so of... So I want to know, like, 
what you feel or what are the conditions around the moment where you think the writing is working well. There's a, there's an, um, a passage in, um, in book two. Um, I'm glad I'm not doing all six um, right at the moment. Um, <laughs> where you, you talk about writing and, it's, and, and you say that um, at two places in the novel, he's, he's writing his novel, he's describing it, at two places in the novel I soared higher than I thought possible. And those two places alone, which I could not believe I had written and no one else had noticed or said anything about, made the preceding five years of unsuccessful, failed writing worth all the effort. They are two of the best moments in my life, by which I mean my whole life. (laughs) The happiness that filled me and the feeling of invincibility they gave me, I have searched for ever since in vain. That's really characteristic of you, because if something wonderful happens, the next sentence always takes it back. (laughs) Always. Um, But I I, I know what you mean there. I mean, you sit at your desk for a long time as a writer, and then somehow you get in the right relationship to the universe, to other people, and yourself to be able to write for five minutes extremely well. Um, and it's, it somehow seems worth the effort. So is that what, what you're looking for when, when you sit down, some kind of, you know, that, that kind of moment? Um, or do you not, is that too much to ask for on a day-to-day basis? Obviously, on a day-to-day basis it is, but is that what you mean when you say what, what the primary importance of writing is? Um, in a way it is, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's... I, I saw once an interview with Anne McEwen and he yeah. called these moments the selfless, mm-hmm. uh, the selflessness, yeah. you know, which completely disappear. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, that's right. But not in this project, not in, in, in my struggle, because that was impossible because it was, the subject was myself. Yeah. There was no, you know, no way to get that kind of ex- mm-hmm. ecstasy of something... Mm-hmm. This as ecstasy as was your second novel. Yes, you're describing? it was. Yeah, it was. And no one ever noticed those passages. No, that, and I ra- can't really tell what it is because everybody's going to be so disappointed, you know, because it's it's <laughs> this, it's, it's only for me. This you know? was my next question. Yeah, no, I can't <laughs> can't say that. No, I love that passage. It's my favorite. <laughs> it's my favorite passage. Um, all right. Well, now I don't have any question. Um, hold on. All right. Um, The, the thing I think people misunderstand about these books, m- maybe they misunderstand them, is that they think that they're confessional. Um, but what I'm hearing you say is, is that writing about your life and, in a sense, being forced to confess was, was more a means to an end that you wanted with the novel. It allowed you to break free or destroy many of the conventions of the novel. Like You didn't start saying, I need to confess about my life, but it was the only means by which you could get the literary effects and the literary um, accomplishment that you wanted. Yeah. Is, that, is that right or, or not? I think there was a lot of thresholds I had to you know, go over mm-hmm. in, in the beginning of this process mm-hmm. to be free, which was my, my aim yeah. and always is to be you know, free of everything yeah. that restricts yeah. you. And, and I'm a very you know, shame-ridden person. So, so it has a lot to do with that. I think uh, I, I was just—I basically started this novel by, by writing the most shameful moments did in that my feel, life. Did that feel good? It felt like a rush. I think mm-hmm. it was—is it possible to say this? I mean, and if it is, that's freedom, you know. Mm-hmm. And why should it be? You know, why shouldn't I do yeah. it? What's yeah. what's the consequences? You know, 
as someone going to punish me? What is it? The worst that can happen is, is laughter, you know? There was a certain energy in that, that kind of spread out of other fields. There's other things I could just, you know, say as it is. I shouldn't say it, but I, I can do it yeah. in this novel. And um, I think this question of form is connected to this, you know, mm -hmm. because I'm, if you are shame-ridden, and then you're very careful with what you're saying, you know, uh, and you please people. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I think the enemy of writing is, you know, wanting to please, please someone, which is wanting to be clever, which is very good sentences. Yeah. And, and so these things merge in, in, for me. And, and, uh, and so, so, you know, I, everything became this this movement forward, mm -hmm. which was the writing. Mm -hmm. But I, I didn't do this to, to provoke anyone or to, no. you know, it no. is, it, I'm not sh even sure what's going on in this book, but it is, it is, it's a search for something. Mm -hmm. and, and it is a, a, a lust for describing things mm -hmm. that kind of doesn't have a, a language, I think, mm -hmm. and which also is a thing all writers want to do, right? <coughs> But I found it in the everyday life, uh, and and so the novelist and language is just moving around in this, you know, sea of banality and triviality, and 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 I didn't have any, you know, you know, aims with it, any goals with it. It's it's extremely good banality and triviality, I have to say. Um, you know, the opening of book one. Is, is such a beautiful... That was the other part I, I was going to ask you to read. Um, just as much as you want of this okay. lovely beginning. <laughs> 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 Not the whole thing. For the heart, life is simple. It beats for as long as it can. Then it stops. Sooner or later, one day, this pounding action will cease of its own accord, and the blood will begin to run towards the body's lowest point, where it will collect in a small pool, visible from outside as a dark, soft patch on ever-whitening skin. As the temperature sinks, the limbs stiffen, and the intensities drain. These changes in the first hours occur so slowly and take place with such inexorability that there is something almost ritualistic about them, as though life capitulates according to specific rules, a kind of gentleman's agreement to which the representatives of death also adhere, inasmuch as they always wait until life has retreated before they launch their invasion of the new landscape. By which point, however, the invasion is irrevocable. The enormous hordes of bacteria that begin to infiltrate the body's innards cannot be halted. Had they but tried a few hours earlier, they would have met with immediate resistance. However, everything around them is quiet now, as they delve deeper and deeper into the moist darkness. They advance on the Haver's channels, the crypts of Liebekin, the Isles of Langerhans, 
They proceed to Bowman's capsule in the Rennes, Clark's column in the Spinalis, the black substance in the mesencephalon. And they arrive at the heart. As yet, it is intact, but deprived of the activity to which end this whole construction has been designed, there is something strangely desolate about it like a production plant that workers have been forced to flee in haste. Or so it appears, the stationary vehicles shining yellow against the darkness of the forest, the huts deserted, a line of fully loaded cable buckets stretching up the hillside. That... That beginning is is very literary compared to lots of other parts of, of the book, yeah. and very much written, um, and 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 very beautiful. And then you, know, you you begin talking about death. You go into a kind of essay about the kinds of death the, that we, we certain death is hidden and certain death is is um, shared on on television. And 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 you ask questions about why do we cover up dead bodies? Wouldn't it actually be more sensible to just leave them there for a while. Um, and there's a kind of an essay at the beginning of this book. And then suddenly you're in the midst of the child's experience and you're watching television and you're watching um, news footage of, a, of the sea. There's been a, uh, has there been a um, boating accident or something? And you, yeah. s- you see a face rise out of the water and you're sure that it's there. And um, you tell your father who scoffs at you. And that, that's, in a way, how you introduce this character of your father who s- looms so large through, through these books. You know, your, your first s- moment of, of seeing something that's terrifying and, and he belittles you immediately um, by that. Um, I don't like to say that, there, that there are Euro- European writers are different than American writers because I don't, I don't think it's true. I think we read all the same books and I've never felt that. But there, there's a quality in your novels um, where you use the essay and, and where you, you expound, in, in a sense, on, on art, on paintings that you love, on death, that we in America are more hesitant to do yeah. for, for whatever reasons. Um, some of the thing, reasons I think we, lo- we respond to this book so much is that it avails itself of a kind of deep, philosophical, ruminative European tradition that... that um, is kind of dying out or um, attenuated in our own in our own literature. Um, can you talk about how you put the essays into the book and whether they just seamlessly happened to you because you were writing and every day, if you if you give yourself a project to do something like this, inevitably that will happen. Some days you'll be in an essayistic <laughs> mood, um, or you know, was it intrinsic to the to the idea of how you had to de- describe your life? I think, yeah, th- this this things just just happen, but it's different way of reflecting upon the same thing, mm-hmm. you know. And and I find the challenging is thing is to write, you know, essayistic. What is, what's that? That's just thinking, you know, mm-hmm. and and um, and reflection. And when I, you know, do something, I'm thinking and doing it at the same time, mm-hmm. and and I think it's. I just wanted to find a form for it, for those two levels, you know. 
it's completely possible to sit home and read about Heidegger and then next yeah. moment you go and do the dishes. I mean, it's the same world, yeah. you know, it's, it right. belongs really to, yeah. to each yeah. other. Yeah. But if you read academic, you know, academic wor works, it's not like that. Right. It is, you know, it mm -hmm. is in here and that's it. Mm -hmm. And if you want to say something about life, you need, I feel at mm -hmm. least, both, you mm -hmm. know. And I was very inspired by Gombrowicz, the, the mm -hmm. Polish diary writer. Uh -huh. I think his diaries is one of the best works of the, of the, of the, the last century. And, and he's thinking a lot about these things, yeah. uh, about, you know, uh, life, yeah. what life is and what art is. Yeah. And the forms, I think, is uh, something that you kneel in front of, of Kafka. I mean, it's, it's mm -hmm. like it's, it's, it's something sacred and mm -hmm. holy. Mm -hmm. And then your life is going on besides yeah. you. But, but I also think about the essay uh, storytelling thing is something very interesting, uh, I think, because an essay you could, and a reflection, you, you can come to hear, I mean, about saying something mm -hmm. about something. And then you have storytelling and it's, you know, you can go up here and it's, it's, it's something completely different. Mm -hmm. And I think, I mean, if you read the Bible, you would think the Bible, that's the base of, you know, of, of, of several religions, that there are reflections there. But the Old Testament, there are no reflections mm -hmm. whatsoever. I mean, the source is storytelling. It's narrative, it, yeah. Yeah, it's narrative. Mm -hmm. And the story about Cain and Abel, mm -hmm. uh, it's been read and, and, and thought of and discussed mm -hmm. and changed and for many, many hundred years. Mm -hmm. And all different things you can take out of it, you mm -hmm. know, and it's such a big story for us. Mm -hmm. But if you go to the Bible and read it, it's, you know, eight or ten lines. It's nothing. Yeah. Yeah. But it's kind of endless. And reflection upon the, the, mm -hmm. the, the, the story is, has an end, has a limit, you know, mm -hmm. but the story in itself is limitless. Mm -hmm. And these things are, you know, the, I guess this reflection also is in the book. I don't know, but it yeah. probably yep. is. <clears throat> Well, I'll say two things about the essays. Number one is that they're so good and the, the thinking in them is so original that that's, that's one of the reasons they, that they work. It's not just that now he's done the dishes and now he's, he's thinking in an essayistic way. That would be fine, but if the essay was, was lousy, I would, w I would wish he would go back to the dishes. It doesn't, ha it doesn't happen in, in, in here. You, you say at one point that you're reading Adorno and um, you're amazed at the feeling and the moods that, that his writing gives you. Each, each period you describe as being like a mountaineer's cleat as, as he goes up. Um, and you want to use the feeling that Adorno's language gives you, which is obviously in, in an essay or in, you know, in theory, and apply it to things in the world, apply it to a toaster oven or something else. Yeah. Um, did you feel that the essayistic parts of the novel allowed you to treat reality in a, in a slightly different way? And, or is that, was that... I'll just stop there and ask that. <laughs> if it's um, like did did the essays bleed into the narration in a way so that you I felt uh, you were writing about them differently? I think so. And I, mm -hmm. it's like this: if I if I you know write about the scene, a picture, the, 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 myself myself in a scene, and. Mm -hmm. and that could go, I mean, all, all kinds of ways and directions. Yeah. But at the moment, for instance, I was reading Dostoevsky. I was taking care of, of my youngest daughter. Mm -hmm. She was very young and I was yeah. very, you know, uh, frustrated because of that. I couldn't work. And yeah. then I had one hour reading Dostoevsky every mm -hmm. day. Mm -hmm. 
which sounds something like a 17-year-old could do. I mean, Dostoevsky is a kind of a, yeah, no matter what. But anyway, then I just, when I wrote it, this story, yeah. it basically is about taking care of kids and that kind of life. But and then I just started to write about Dostoevsky, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and that's kind of the way this novel is moving. Mm -hmm. It's um, as something comes out of that, I guess. Mm -hmm. But I don't know what that is. And um, so... It's um, and it's also a lot about rhythm, I think. Rigor. Rhythm. Rhythm. Yeah. Rhythm. Yeah. Um, and I guess there can be some direct connections between seeing something, for instance, a tree, and then a reflection upon the mm -hmm. sublime or death or, mm. or something like yeah. that. Uh, Did you know? Uh, and, I, I, I just, and one of the thing I wanted, if you are free, I wanted to say something, you know, directly as it is. Sometimes I wanted to do it, and then I just t say it as an essay. You know, this is like mm -hmm. this is this is the sublime, and the sublime is death. You know, and I don't know. It's just a, a thousand ways of trying to find meaning in an ordinary life. I mm -hmm. think an mm -hmm. essay is one of them, and um, yeah. Mm. The f the first book almost seems to be more about death than it is actually about your father's death. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the opening is, is a universal description of death. He dies um, relatively early in the, in the first book. And I didn't get a, a sense of your father, um, you know, in a, in, a, in a novelistic sense of character um, until book three, Boyhood. It's, it's yeah. as though... Um, the, f the first book is about death, and, and it's about dealing with the death of a father who has changed radically from the father that you knew. Um, and then in book three, there are so many scenes where you see what it was like. Can I, I'm, uh, first, should, can I say you when I'm t talking about yeah, this book? Or should yeah, I say the so protagonist? <laughs> I'm, so, <laughs> no, I'm just totally, yes, I okay. haven't even accorded you <laughs> that, the, the honor of that. Um, in, in, in book three, you actually see what, it, you know, what, he, what he was like. Did, did you know there was going to be six volumes and you knew I'll get to that? Uh, or, or you didn't at that point? I didn't know yeah. that at all. I was just, yeah. first of all, trying to write about you know, the experience of my father's death. Yeah. That's book one. But I didn't stop it at where it stops. Now I just continued because I had a kind of a language for something mm -hmm. I was interested in, you know, <laughs> daily life, basically. So it stopped after, it was one and two together, that's the novel, and I gave it to my editor. I think it was 1,200 or 1,400 pages, so the, one uh, and two. That's, this, that's, this was the first book? That was the first book I, I gave to the, oh. to the publisher. Yeah. And I asked them, what, how do we publish this? It's so many pages, one volume or two volumes. I see. And, uh, and they said, we'll call you back. And mm -hmm. then, <laughs> yeah. then he did the same day, actually, and he, he said, do you know what? We we can publish 12 novels, you know, and we can publish one each month for, for a year. Yeah. And then this, this was, you know, too risky for them. They could lose a lot of money. So they decided, okay, six novels, and we publish it through one year. Uh -huh. And then I could decide if I, you know, took this and parted it into six. Mm -hmm. Or I could say this is two novels, and wow. then I have to write four, yeah. you know. And I, I love the challenge. That's how they split up heroin when it comes up from Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, but I had the end here, you know, in, in this book is, if the first book is about the father, 
then this book is about being a father. Yeah. And then it ends with a, a description of the mother. And, and she's saying a very strange thing, which she did. I was writing book one and I was talking to her and she was starting to say, I, I, I love your father. I never heard that yeah. before. I never heard she used the word yeah. love yeah. at all. Yeah. And then she tells the story when they met. Mm-hmm. I've never heard that story. And then I thought, okay, this, is, it, yeah. this ends there yeah. where uh-huh. they met. And I thought, okay, that's book three. That's the story of that family, you know. Mm-hmm. And from there on it was chronology. Yeah. yeah. It changes it depending on how you divide it. It changes my... My thinking of the book, yeah, in a way, that's it's it's um, it's an amazing proposal to get from a publisher yeah. that you could, you know, write six novels and publish it through a year, and it, that that created, you know, the 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 novel basically, and and, yeah. and, and such a fantastic, you know, proposal to get, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, you you liked the deadline aspect, right? Yeah, I did because you. I and I also, you know, I, I kind of liked giving myself restrictions because I had have so problem with my, uh, my self criticism. I'm extremely mm-hmm. self. I don't know how it is with you, but I'm, you know, um, I'm so critic that I are yeah. paralyzed. You know, yeah, yeah. So t- to get rid of that, I, I set up mm-hmm. a rule by write five pages a day. Yeah. So no matter what, if if, right. if it's four o'clock and it's one hour. They have to pick up mm. the kids, and I've only written one. Then yeah. I have to write right. four pages in that hour. I'm going to sh- do that starting tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, because then you go for quantity, you know, not yeah. quality. Yeah. And, and that's very good. Uh, uh, <laughs> and then, yeah, and then, you have, then you have a direction, vaguely, and you have a speed, and you have some rules, mm-hmm. and then it's just, I don't know, to yeah, go ahead. Yeah, just no problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, the, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. And you, uh, there's nothing... You know, whatsoever plan, mm. plan, it's absolutely mm. total. You know, improvisation over a theme, which is my yeah. life, and that's that's yeah, that's what it is. During your your rock rock star days as a teenager in in your <laughs> rock band, yeah. you you talk a lot about reading your brother's rock magazines and how um, you learn from them to prize emotion over technique um, in playing the guitar. I was, I w- it, it, there's some kind of resonance to that um, with the way you, you, you wrote this book, where you stopped worrying about, about style as much as you had before. Is there a, is there a connection there? Or a, a fundamental belief about that? Or is it just for now? I think, yeah, I think it's a real connection to music. Uh, um, very much so. I, I think, you know, thinking is is overrated. I think there is too much thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and in music, you know, there are, if, if you start to think when you're playing, it's, mm-hmm. you know, that's impossible. It has yeah. to be, you have to be in it, you know. Right. And the same with painting, you know. They don't think. You don't, you don't think when you paint. Yeah. You paint and you, you see or you feel, but you don't think. And in writing, you have to think. You have to go through it through yeah. your brain or your mind, you know. But, uh, but I try to avoid it as, as much as possible. Yeah. And, and, and that's what I was talking about, you know, the selfless thing. It's the same in music and painting yeah. and in writing and in reading. It's, it's, uh, it's a question of, you know, a kind of presence, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in essay, it's, of course, thinking. But as I was, you know, literature takes you yeah. to other places where right. than your thoughts can do. You said before we came up here that it's better on stage to be awkward and not smooth. 
which is the same, same philosophy. So I, 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 hope, I, hope, I hope we're achieving that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, in, in, I mentioned how, um, how often in, when you describe your life, you, you um, talk about something that's wonderful and then you, um, you, take, it, you take it back. Um, and I, I wanted to, if I can find it. Um, excuse me, where are these papers? Um, there's a wonderful quote about your <laughs> marriage, and you're falling in love with your your wife Linda. And um, here it is. Um, I moved to Stockholm and met Linda. For example, the world had suddenly opened. The intensity in it increased at breakneck speed. I was head over heels in love, and everything was possible. My happiness was at a bursting point all the time and embraced everything. And it goes on, you know, in that kind of <laughs> extremely optimistic way. And then the end of the paragraph, this state lasted for six months. <laughs> for six months, I was truly happy, truly at home in this world and in myself, before slowly it began to lose its luster, and once more the world moved out of my reach. Um, it, it, it seems to me that b- because you're writing about your life and not trying to come up with a plot, you escape a lot of the... Um, you, you escape being predictable in the way many novels are. And I think why readers respond to the book so, so much is that this, this person in the book is always in the middle of, of life. Um, a normal way to write that story is to have them meet, to have them be happy, then for them to be unhappy, and either to get divorced or to go through a struggle in, in which they reunite. You don't, you don't do that. He's happy and unhappy in the same page. And in every page, in a sense, he has that, you know, the, the whole life is being lived at every, at every moment. It's a kind of Buddhistic um, quality of, of the novel and you, you so you you in a way make the book exciting again on a narrative level because you can't predict what's going to happen to this fellow because he's telling you everything that's happening all the time if you, if you know what I mean yeah. so I, I, that's, I again I don't have questions I just have you know I just have you, the joy of reading this book and I want you to talk <laughs> about it with me <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, that's that's right. That's 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 uh, that's just stating this in matter-of-factly. I was in love. It lasted six months. It's gone, you know. Mm-hmm. But then there is then there is description of the same process in the book, which mm-hmm. are I think it's fifty pages about falling in love. Those days, yeah. what happened, you know, yeah. and that's completely different. And th- mm-hmm. those are two levels of telling the same story, yeah, you know. Right. And it's it's the one is retelling it, mm-hmm. and the other one is to being the being mm-hmm. there, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's the point is, you know, that he was in love and now no longer are in love. That's that's a story. Yeah. But the, the thing I want to do is, you know, to capture the what it is to be in love. I yeah. Mean, I mean, and and I describe it much the same way being in love as death. Just the opposite, you know. Everything is all of a sudden meaningful or kind of bursting with with meaningfulness in a mm-hmm. way when you're in love. It's like the world changed. It's yeah. like you're in a zone, right? And it's the same thing with death. You mm-hmm. are in a zone. Everything's, you know, 
changed, everything become meaningful or or stands out and, mm-hmm. and, and changes, you know, shape. And that's the that's I guess that that's the form of the book, I guess. It's yeah. you know this 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 things and, and and unimportant things and, yeah. and everyday life and death and the same yeah. thing. And, and, and you, you do get the events twice. Like later on when you're falling in love at the writers' conference and Linda is rejecting you. Yeah. I I think you get drunk maybe in that part of the book. Yeah. It's hard to remember because you're drunk often in that book. But you you <laughs> cut you cut your face up. Yeah. Um, which is an it's an amazing scene of love that you just scar your face. Yeah. Um, and she sees you. And yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, D- D- Daniel Kalman, the, um, the German writer, was... Who are we going to call? <laughs> I'm not going to call. I have, I have a note here. I have a note that I want to, re- to read you. Something else. Something else. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find out if this is working. Um, he says this, I, I talked to a German publisher yesterday whose, whose wife was diagnosed with lethal lung cancer. They thought I had lung cancer for the last six months. I don't have lung cancer, very happy to say, and, but this is why he sent me this email. They gave, they gave her three months to live. After four weeks of saying goodbye to life and friends and everything, it turned out to be a wrong diagnosis. <laughs> she just had an inflammation and not even a serious one. Can you imagine? These things are still possible, but it's impossible to do that kind of thing in a novel. Now, you have a coincidence when you meet your wife, Linda, in, in my struggle that maybe you could describe for the audience, the, 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 the apartment. Yeah, you mean when I come to Stockholm? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a, a long story. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, it's, it's like this. Um, I met Linda first in, in a writer's conference, yeah. and I was married, yeah. and I fell you know, in love with her at the first moment. Yeah. And then uh, she rejected me, said she'd rather be with my friend. Uh, and I cut, cut my face yeah. and went home to my wife. Didn't say anything about it. You don't about. have to tell what you want. Only what you want. I said I wouldn't go into things. No, but that's you know, the background. Okay. And then I get a divorce from my wife many years later. Yeah. And I moved to Stockholm. Yeah. And I don't, Stockholm is a, you know, in Sweden is a big city, one million yeah. inhabitants or something. And I don't know anyone there. And I'm uh, putting an ad in a newspaper, uh, you know, what an apartment, get a lot of answer, pick out one, go there, it's a nice apartment, I'll, I'll take it. I go down, look at, you know, the list of uh, the people who live there, and there's Linda, you know. Yeah. What's the chance for that? It's, yeah. it's incredible. It and is. what I have to do, I couldn't have that apartment because I th- was thinking she will think I'm stalking her, you know. Yeah. So, so I had to take another one. Right. That's that's yeah. Well, I once, once you cut your face up, you know you gotta really you gotta watch <laughs> what you do after that. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, you can put that in this novel. Like, yeah. yeah no, Kalman is right. Yeah, you can't yeah. do the lung the lung story in a novel, no. but because this novel hews to that's, your own life, you can yeah. actually avail yourself of Dickensian co- coincidences that yeah. have been invalidated by history. You're able to do them again. Yeah, and I think that's. There's one thing, you must have the right to say something in a novel, mm-hmm. you know, you must have the room to say something, I mean, to talk about love, yeah. you can't just talk about love, you have to have the, you know, the space for it, mm-hmm. or to be filled with pathos, or, or, or say the big things, or mm-hmm. you need to create, you know, a place to do it from, mm-hmm. then that's places credibility, I think, 
And that's what you have to do when you write a novel. And in this novel, the credibility is, you know, yeah. it's the self. I'm saying this, it's true, you know. And, uh, and um, these things are also, in, you, you do it by intuition, but you know this is not going to work. Mm-hmm. And I had a problem with death in the beginning. No, it's not working. I can't go straight to death. It's impossible to write about death. The, the opening passage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And need something else to get to my father's death, you know. Mm-hmm. If I should tell that story properly about his death, mm-hmm. I need to have, you know, the, the, the reader must have come there from somewhere. Mm-hmm. That's why I just started to write about being 16. I don't know why that is. But no. It's a long story about nothing. Yeah. About, you know, going to a party, be rejected, go home, and that's it. And that's mm-hmm. 100 pages. Yeah. That's necessary, <coughs> I realize. In, in order to talk about your father's death. Yeah. yeah. It's necessary. Mm-hmm. And it's, then it's the opposite. It's life. That's mm-hmm. how life is. Yeah. Death is, you know, mm-hmm. the absence of something. Life is mm-hmm. full of meaningless details, but it's... But that sounds like you did many drafts and decided, I've got to put this at the beginning of the novel um, because I can't go straight into death. But you, or you just understood that as you sat down How the book. I need, there must be something here, you mm-hmm. know? need to be something here. Mm-hmm. And then I just, and I, I wanted a reflection about death in general, going into, you know, the specific world of this novel. Mm-hmm. And then I needed, you know, to to come to this place, and it's a, it's a long way, you know, around it. Mm-hmm. But I didn't, like, I didn't, you know, sit down and say I need to write about this. It's just yeah. this may work, you know. Right. Uh, yeah. And it's this again. It's not thinking we are talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's something. Yeah. Something. Different. How often did you go back and read what what you've written? Because book two, especially, has a very actually intricate structure to it. That if you pay attention. You know, you'll you'll leave a time and you'll go off for yeah. 150 pages and you'll come back to that time and it's not that easy to do. It, it seemed like it would take some planning or at least some some awareness. Did you did you go back to kind of refresh your mind all the time where you were in the story? I, I guess I did sometimes, yeah. But but I I do when I'm in writing process. The last thing I do before I fall to sleep, and it's a very good way to fall asleep, is to try to memorize the movements in the novel. You know. Okay, first this, and then this, and then you have the movement all, all in that you, you're do, you know? that, that you're about to do, or that you've already done? No, what you have done, you to know? Have done, yeah. yeah. So you like know counting sheep, but you're are. counting your paragraphs. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's to get the movement, you know? So it's yeah. all instinctly in, in yeah. you, in a way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So oh. I'm saying the same thing all the time. I'm answering your question on the same... That's because my questions arguments. are all the same. But no, it's not that... <laughs> That's because we're living in the present <laughs> moment of, of yeah. uh, where everything is, is available. Um, my father was a very har- hardworking, disciplined businessman who made a lot of money and was very orderly um, in his life. And then at the end of his life, um, went on some business ventures that, that didn't work, uh, began losing money and became desperate and and very um, unpredictable, and finally died having lost all of his money. So I, I know the feeling of what it's like to have a father who's such a strong presence and then for him to change, you know, utterly, suddenly. Um, I was wondering, you know, just if you could talk a, l- a little bit about, about that subject, since it seems to be, it's certainly central to the, f- to the first book, but it seems central almost to the entire project of the book. Yes, it is. Um, was that a shock 
I mean. You mean the, the fall the of change, my father? Yeah, how, yeah. How, how radically different that, a person he seems to be yeah. at the end of his life compared yeah. to the beginning. Yeah, that was that was really a shock, because um, it was. He was really, um, I mean, very respectable in a way, mm-hmm. kind of. He was a. I mean, I mean, he was doing his obligation. He was a teacher, and he was a local politician, and he was, you know, raising two children, and 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 everything was very strict and normal in one sense. Yeah. And in another sense, he was completely insane because he was so, you know, angry and and predictable, and so he kind of absolutely totally controlled my my life or i was always wanting to to find out in what mood he was and try to you know yeah. make him happy and so on and so on and it was an absolute terror for me i think and then when i when i became i think in 16 or 70 he changed you know completely mm-hmm. he he became this you know soft uh, changed his clothes almost like hippie Mm-hmm. bit feminine it's it's kind of like he was the authority he had to just you know let it go yeah and i think he just as i did when i was in his age wanted to be free wanted to have his own life in a way um and now i i, I look upon that as incredibly touching i mean mm-hmm. he really tried to change mm-hmm. that and change his life mm-hmm. but he associated this to be free with with alcohol yeah, I do also that. I, I mm-hmm. mean, I have to drink to talk. Mm-hmm. If you should talk to someone, um, but he kind of took it too long and, and became yeah. addicted to it. Right. And I read some of his diaries. He was writing every day the number of drinks and the number of beers he took every day. You know, in a kind of little little diary. Oh. And then I'm going to try to stop. You know, uh, and then the pain and and horror of of wanting to have more mm-hmm. and then drinking again. Oh. It's like looking into an abyss and I understand mm-hmm. this is this was hell for him. Mm-hmm. And then his life was destroyed. He lost his job because he was drunk, you know. Yeah. Uh and, and in the end he moved to my grandmother. Yeah. And died there. And I think it, it basically it was a suicide. I think he I'm lost everything. Yeah. And he actually one of the last times I saw him, I don't know if I've written this, but but he said to me, you know, I had cancer, he said to me. And if your father said, I have cancer, this is serious, you know. But I knew he was lying. And it was a very awkward situation, you know. It's very serious, mm-hmm. but he's lying. What What do you do? Yeah. I, I said, oh, oh, you know. And, yeah. and, and But he was actually, you know, communicating, mm-hmm. I'm going to die, yeah. you know. Yeah. And he did. Uh, and that moment, I didn't care about him. I mm-hmm. really didn't. I knew he was dying, and knew, and knew, but I thought he could just, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. go to hell with him. And then I come down there, and then I started to cry. Mm-hmm. And then I realized this is, you know, this is much more to him and me than hatred. You know, there is something else. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and I, after that, I tried to write about those yeah. experiences, you know, and... and, and I think I did because I couldn't understand how a man could fall like that. I mean, this is very quickly also. I mean, it wasn't that many years. Yeah. And I felt the same thing myself, I think, mm-hmm. uh, that I might, this isn't really my life. I, yeah. I, I've, I, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and I want to, to be somewhere else. I want to divorce. I want to drink. I want, you know. Mm-hmm. 
That's the starting point for the novel, you know, that parallel. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then I realized that when I was starting writing, my father started to drink. He was 40. And I started to drink, and I'm 16, you know, just kind of the same. And I didn't know that. And a lot of those discoveries is, mm -hmm. you know, coming through writing yeah. about it. And then it's a joy uh, to write about drinking because it's so good to drink, you know. I think it's absolutely fantastic, mm -hmm. you know. One beer and you just want more and mm -hmm. more and more and more. And it's good all the way, you know. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, it's... Yeah. Well, there's, <laughs> there is... A, the there's, there's one part of the book where you say you've, you, you, know, you've, you drink and you have blackouts, right? You know, but then you stop drinking yeah. in a certain part of the... Um, I can't remember which which book. Yeah. Was that um I mean you could see what happened to your father so instead of drinking you decided to to write write these books instead or was that just temporary? That was no decision yeah. and it wasn't not nothing like that yeah. but I think I had the same there is a, a, a certain destructiveness this destructive to yeah. write in a way in mm -hmm. a way I think. Mm -hmm. uh, and what I do I give away everything. And by say, as I say this is essentially worthless, I just give it away. Mm -hmm. It's not my, I can, you know, I don't care. Yeah. And that carelessness is, has something to do with, to be d destructive, I think. Mm -hmm. And um, it's the same with drinking, you know, it's good, it is destructive at the same time. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the most difficult part to write in whole, the whole series, I think, was, um, but that was two things. One thing was the moment, my father is dead two days ago in a house that looked like, you know, a place where junkies had lived. Yeah. We just discovered that our grandmother has been drinking as well. What, what can we do? She wants a drink, you know, and he's just dead, you know, by, and we sit down and get drunk together. And it's so good, you know, yeah. she comes to life, we come to life. It's, you know, yeah. and it's, it's horrible at the same mm -hmm. time. That was the one hardest part to write because I knew yeah. this is mm -hmm. this is not good to write like this about your grandmother you know <laughs> it's a great scene <laughs> um, you um, the, the, you know the, the latest book that's come out in, in English which I, um, I have to touch upon is Boyhood um, it's, it's somewhat different than the first two um, novels there, there actually aren't very many essays in it um, and it, it feels almost like a, a, a slight pause for breath in a, in a, in a marathon. There are some, I, I, I think you say somewhere that you don't have a good memory, which is interesting for someone who has such a good memory. <laughs> um, can, you know, how do you, uh, when you sit down to write about your boyhood, obviously you remember quite, 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 a, quite a bit. So what do you mean you, you have a bad memory? It is... That's you know this is description of this in in the beginning of the book. Mm -hmm. It begins with a discussion: What do I really know? Yeah. You know about my childhood. What mm -hmm. do I really remember? And I think it's like five episodes. I remember this, you know, from the first seven years of my life. Mm -hmm. And that's the starting point of the novel. And a discussion of memory, as you can't trust memory. Memory wants to cheat you in a way. And then I just start to to write about things I remember, it's landscapes, it's smells, it's, it's how it looked, you know, all, mm -hmm. all the details. And you can see if you read the book that things comes, you know, are coming. Mm -hmm. it's, like, it's like that. It's like certain things that opened up gates to, 
-hmm. what is your childhood? Uh, and it's true, I didn't remember really nothing. But I, what I have in mind was, was the landscape mm -hmm. uh, and the rooms. And, and I was just describing it then, and things started to happen. And it's such a, I mean, very, very, the most trivial thing you can think of that was one of the things that was opened up was, you know, a journalist said to me, there's a lot of shitting in that book. How there, come? How there come? is, yeah. yeah, yeah. Is. And that's, that's not because I want, you know, to, I'll write about anything, I'll mm -hmm. write about that as well. It's, it's the opposite that it is. I mean, that's an experience you have, <laughs> one of the experiences you have mm -hmm. when, you, when you are a kid and it's very, you know, connected to the body and you are completely open with it, you can think of it, and there's a lot of things, it's a child's world, you know? Yeah. And I thought, okay, there's a lot of details, I remember the details, I could be obsessed by details, and, and, and terror and joy, you know, that's, that's the thing, it's, it is, you know, in, in this book, side by side. Mm -hmm. And I was surprised when I had to reread it now, because I was, I've been on a book tour, and I was surprised <laughs> over the joy in it, mm -hmm. um, because I... But I think that's, I tried to get closer to the state of mind of being 10, yeah. you know? And it's so much joy in yeah. being 10. No, and it's so little thinking. And I think that's, you know, that that's, was the fun part to write about, but mm. also the most risky because mm -hmm. it is, it's a 10-year-old boy's universe. I mean, it, is, it isn't, you know, challenging in any way. There is right. no, th nothing, he understands nothing. So yeah. it's kind of... The reader understands it, of course, but he doesn't. So it's a description of basically the father without understanding him. Yeah. And what I also discovered there was, I've always thought that my father was, you know, he was doing this to me and he was the one who did everything and was, you know, uh, the source of everything. But when I start to write about it, I realized there is a kind of a dialogue, there is a kind of a dynamic between the father and the son. Mm. I had something in me I guess he hated. Maybe it was because it, you know, reminded him of himself or something. There is um, a certain provocation all the time. I provoke things in him, you know, and there is a dynamic there. Is there just, in the, the three that I've read, I don't feel like there's any kind of psychological explanation or analysis of your father or anything like you've just said. Does no. that come later or is that in, not no. in the book at all? No, it no. doesn't. Yeah. It's not. It, it doesn't. Um, he made fun of you because you couldn't pronounce your R's. Yeah. Which I also could not do. My brother's name is Brent, and I would say Buent, and he would make fun of me. I was, I was, Updike also was a stutterer. Do, do you think that anxiety about language um, in a kid turns them into writers? The fact that they, they cannot, cannot actually speak properly makes them attentive to words? Um, uh, Maybe not. No, but, but, but there is. I don't know, but I, I think there is there need to be a certain distance. You need to be pushed a little bit out of joint, you know, mm -hmm. if you are to be a writer. And I think that's a common of all the writers I know. They're a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. out there. There's something little wrong with them in, in mm -hmm. one way or another. Yeah. And it has a lot to do with acceptance. Many, many, many mm -hmm. of my writer friends haven't been accepted or have been rejected or mm -hmm. are kind of... Mm -hmm. And you do that if you stutter. I mean, you are outside. And yeah. if you are outside, 
the inside isn't obvious to you, you mm -hmm. know? And in the inside is what we're going to write about. Yeah. And you have to see it. Mm -hmm. And if it's there, and it, then you don't recognize yeah. it. But if you are pushed a little bit yeah. for one or another reason, you see it. And you desperately, you know, want to get there maybe. Yeah. I don't know. But that's, that's at least, yeah. I think that's a very common thing. The other, the other thing you were made, um, made fun of for being effeminate as a, as a boy, and you were called a Jesse, a, a jet, which, um, is that an English term? Yes, it is. Does it, does it? I don't know what it means. But I think someone, I know what it someone means. Someone, yeah, I think um, it has to, something to do with, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I loved the descriptions of, of your, how, how excited you were about clothing as, yeah. a, as a boy, because I remember being the, the same way. That's why I now have a floral shirt on. <laughs> um, but I would lay out my clothes, you know, and yeah. look at them and think how they matched yeah. and things like you know. In second grade, and you have those those descriptions about that. So, yeah. Um, I don't. That's I don't know. Can, a, can you talk about clothing for a while? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's. You know. All the other boys, you could order a, a college shirt from your school. Yeah. All the other boys ordered, you know, blue, and I ordered red, which mm -hmm. was it's a silly thing to do. And I thought I was very interested in girls, and I thought the, yeah. the way to get to them, I can talk about clothes. You know, I can talk about <laughs> girl things. You know, that's why I just brought it up. Yeah, yeah. and that's it's an it's an it's an amazing mistake, and it's yeah. so you know, the other kids are so cruel to you if yeah. you do that. I just didn't get it. You mm -hmm. know, I thought. I could talk, and I could, yeah. they like, talk to me, yeah. you know? Right. But this, you know. And that was, that was horror for mm -hmm. me. I was mm -hmm. called feminine, you know? Yeah. You're girlish, you know? Yeah. It was absolutely, absolutely hell, because it's the worst thing yeah. in, a, in a kind of, a, you know, boy's society right, is right. to be that. Yeah. And I've struggled with that ever since, mm -hmm. you know, the notion of being, yeah. of being, being feminine. And, mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, and then my brother tried to, you know, to, to comfort me, I said, "I'm not just like David Bowie or yeah, something." Yeah. No, it isn't. It isn't. This is yeah. this is no for real. Right, right. Yeah. But then there's the other part where your mother buys you a swimming cap, and it's a girl's cap with flowers on it, yeah. and you don't want to wear it. Yeah. And then you finally have to. You're forced to wear it by your father, and by, and you get teased mercilessly. And yeah. then you come back to the car after this horrible experience, and she says, "How was swimming?" And you say, "It's fine. You don't." No. You never bring it up to her. It's an no. incredibly heroic moment, I think. <laughs> Was it because you, you didn't want your mother to feel bad? Or? Yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah. I think so. And also, this was way too complicated to kind of bring up, I think. And, yeah. and I grew up in a family was very divided, but you know, I never spoke to my father about anything, really. I mean, mm -hmm. not really anything. Yeah. Um, but I was... I think I was constantly talking to my mother in, on the other hand. Mm -hmm. And at this point in the story, those two worlds, you know, are c connected there in this episode, mm -hmm. I think. Um, and I guess that was wh yeah. why I didn't bring it up. I'm going to just end with um, a passage in, in, the la in the last or the third book. Um, right at the end... <coughs> Of the uh, of the book, you you're about to leave the island um, and and move somewhere else, and you have this final party with all of the all of your schoolmates, and you see that evening there was to be a class party at Unis. Some of the girls 
met early that afternoon to get everything ready. At around six, the rest of us cycled over. The party was held in the garden and in the cellar, and as the summer night fell over the hills, we could see across, and all the red roofs of the houses on the estate glinted in the light of the setting sun, and the party slowly began to degenerate, even though no one was drinking. A year's secret thoughts and desires began to stir. It was simply in the air. Hands wandered under sweaters, not as part of an assault or any brutality. It went on close by, among the lilac bushes in the garden, amid hot panting, mouths met, mouths kissed, and then some of the girls took off their tops. They walked around with their breasts bobbing. It was kind of an early puberty orgy that had been slowly building up steam. And the very same girls who only one month earlier had said they didn't like me offered themselves to me, one after the other. They sat on my lap, they kissed me, they rubbed their breasts against my face. The hierarchy the girls had been placed in, with some slowly climbing during autumn and others falling, had no significance here. It didn't make any difference who it was. I pressed my face against their soft white breasts, kissed their dark erect nipples, ran my hands over their thighs and between their legs, and they didn't say no. There wasn't a no in their mouths on this night. Instead, they leaned forward and kissed me. Their eyes were warm and dark, but also surprised, as mine must have been. Is it really us doing this? I think you're about 12 or 13? 13, 13, yeah. 13. My, my question um, to you about this is, um, did that really happen? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, because, because it, it does say novel. It does say novel. Um, well, I, I will just conclude by saying... Um, Norway is a wonderful country. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. This podcast is made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. Learn more at nypl.org.